And we are live. Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Nikki Lopez of Nikki Lopez Creative, and you're watching The Circle, where every Tuesday, 8.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm talking to artists, activists, creative entrepreneurs, um, people just doing great things in the world today. And today I have a very special guest and uh, creative friend. Um, we have George Gatson. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Nikki, for having me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So George Gatson, um, he's uh, lots of things, but right now we're going to focus on him as a public artist and art consultant. So um, for those you know joining us, we're live in a few places. We're live on Facebook under uh, Nikki Lopez Creative, the 1310 Gallery, um, and the Circle Group. We're also live on YouTube. So... Um, yeah, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on uh, on the podcast. Um, thank you for being here. Um, I know you got a lot going on, so I do um, I do appreciate you taking that time. So um, it's it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's my pleasure. <laughs> I I'm trying to think because I can't even remember how many years ago I met you. Um, but um, I'd say I probably maybe ten. Yeah, I think so. Was it the AIE, the Artists' Entrepreneur Institute? Was it that? Or yeah. Well, oh, you know what? There was a little, sh there was a shop that had some art show. Because I remember talking to you. Because it's like, we meet so briefly. And then, you know, anytime I've asked you questions, you're just so open to share. It's just kind of warm. But I remember having a conversation. Um, it was some art show. This lady had, um, she had like a, an art show, it had art pieces and like decorative pieces and, and she was having an art show there. I can't remember her name offhand, but yeah, so. And I, we have a couple people that's um, popping in. We have Valerie saying hello, Nikki and George. Is that Valerie the architect? Oh, no, right. Uh, this is Valerie, she's a, a singer. Uh, she's a creative, she's out of um, Virginia, but I've known Valerie like, at least 30 plus years. Wow, that's great. So, yes, yes, yes. We have a couple of people from the Facebook group saying hello and good evening. So if you're in the Facebook group, I can't see your name. So if you wanna put your name in the comment, um, that would be awesome. Uh, we also have Rod Hagwood, Robin Haynes. Oh, was it Robin Haynes Merrill? It wasn't Robin Haynes Merrill, I think, um, It'll come to me, something clary. She had a shop with her husband. It was like they had furniture, they had art, and there was an art show. Robin Merrill, uh, her and her husband? No, it wasn't Robin Merrill. It was, I think it's like, um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I'm just happy to happy to know you and to still keep, you know, be in contact. Um, here are my son, Elijah. Thank you for being here. And Deborah Kerr, hello, hello. Oh, hi, Deborah Kerr. And we have Trina Slade Burks. Um, so a lot of creatives online today. So, um, so yeah, so let's jump in because I know we have a lot to, um, oh, it's Connie um, who is from the Facebook group. Um, we also have Scott Strawbridge saying hello. So, so let's dive into it. Um, what sparked your creative journey? Wow. Um, actually, 
how I got into art. Um, back after I graduated from college, uh, and I don't have, you know, most people don't know, I don't have a degree in art. Um, but when I graduated from college, I went into the banking business. And this was in 1975. So you guys can do the math and you'll know how old I am. <laughs> I was but, uh, but I'm yeah. not. <laughs> so going into the banking business, uh, back then I was the only person of color in management. And uh, so the stress was a little bit intense in that I felt like a fish in a fishbowl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because those were the dynamics back then. And I said, I needed a hobby, something to get away from the stress. So I tried, um, you know, gluing airplanes together and that didn't quite do it. And uh, needlepoint, that didn't quite do it. So I enrolled in an art class with senior citizens on the weekends uh, from nine to 12 at Hillsborough Community College in Tampa uh, and look forward to it and to learn how to paint and to relax. And that's what sparked my creativity. Fell in love with it, the relaxation of it and uh, discovered I had some hidden talent and committed to uh, just really fine tuning it and the rest is history. Wow, that's awesome. I did see that you're self-taught and, you know, that's great because everyone has different ways to kind of get to where they're at. So um, I love that. Absolutely. Um, we have a couple of, oh, we have uh, Michael D. Moss, Art Box Club. Hi, Nikki and George. Um, we also have another person from the group saying hello to George and Nikki. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I know we have some slides that I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get into them. But um, one of the things that I noticed, a lot of your work centers around Black people, families, history. Why is that important to you? Well, I, I, I you know, it's interesting. It, it wasn't by design that uh, I did this. Uh, it just sort of morphed into that. And um, I know that our history in our community is important. And at the same time, I also know that unless we take ownership of our history, uh, we then won't be able to pass it down to other generations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unfortunate that some of our kids uh, really don't have an interest in knowing about some historical figures and how we got to where we are today. So, um, you know, that aspect of it is, is what I enjoy and, and, and I'm committed to do. But the other part of that too is, um, you know, making certain that when we are no longer around that others can hear and see, uh, you know, the work that we do uh, as it relates to uh, preserving our history. So, that doesn't mean that I don't do other types of work. And, and, I, and I share this with you because, mm -hmm. um, you know, in being transparent, years ago, one of the things that I made certain that I was not pigeonholed as a quote unquote black artist, that mm -hmm. all he does is black art. Um, because I, I didn't want to be pigeonholed in that aspect. And one way in which I communicated that was uh, I got certain commissions and certain works that were not necessarily related to black art at all. 
And, and so hence I saw, I had a friend of mine, she was at an opening, uh, actually at the Urban League here in Broward County. Uh, I had done a sculpture, which is not a part of this slide uh, presentation, but it was very uh, different from my typical works. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, if I were not here at the opening, I would have never known that this was your sculpture. Mm. And I went, perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. So um, when appropriate, I definitely do work that relates to the African-American diaspora, mm -hmm. uh, the, the African diaspora. But then again, there's other types of work, uh, abstract works that I've done. Um, like, you know, look at the sculpture behind me with the, that's a welded piece that I did that, mm -hmm. you know, that's not necessarily Afrocentric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I saw like you did, um, you did some uh, Christmas ornaments for the White House and you've done some stuff with, um, I never, I'm not, I'm bad with sports, but. <laughs> oh, with, uh, with the Super Bowl. With the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I did two, two, two sculptures uh, for the South Florida Super Bowl uh, host committee, the kicker, the, the quarterback. Uh, and then Ray Lewis, <clears throat> when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, of course, before that, when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, I did a sculpture for him then. And then also uh, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm, nice, nice. Um, and we have, uh, we have, I see Ashley saying, hello, thank you for this. Um, I don't know what the sorry, maybe because she's just popping in. Um, and Valerie laughing at my lack of sport knowledge. <laughs> well, if if I if don't feel bad because uh, my father was the captain of his football team in high school, and oh. my growing up, he wanted me to kind of be the same in terms of sports, and uh, I went out for the football team, and I didn't go to practice purposely mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't make the team. <laughs> So when I was able to do the sculpture for the Super Bowl in 95 and 99, I kind of chuckled and said, well, Dad, I'm playing football, but in a different way. In a different way, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Valerie's saying you're not alone. <laughs> um, what's, what, how do you define um, the connection between art and community? Well, I believe art in, in a number of ways helps define the community. Um, and at the same time, I believe that when given an opportunity, the community participating, community engagement, and this is, I really love that aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, when the community is a, allowed to engage in the art making, it creates within that community uh, a sense of even a greater sense of place and a sense of belonging. And it sometimes allows um, members in the community to discover history and stories mm -hmm. that were um, maybe never even told or they were told but i don't believe that they were told enough so uh, integrating art into the community can be uh, if you will an opportunity for a community to re regenerate itself or uh, be rebirthed and mm -hmm. re-energized because of the stories I mean, that, that last um, session you had a, a few weeks ago when folks were on and they were telling the stories, it, it, it's about Fort Lauderdale and, and of course the, the, the Providence Hospital. I mean, it was quite 
uh, in, informative mm-hmm. and things that uh, I found out and others that were listening that makes you proud of, mm-hmm. of, of who you are and make you proud of, of where you came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that, that's art can do that right in the community. Yes, yes. And since we're here, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the Y and the community of Sistrunk for um, as it relates to art and community? Sure. Um, you know, as most, as as some folks know, and as folks hear more about the project, uh, the Providence Hospital uh, was the um, only facility that uh, before integration that was able to serve and, and treat, um, you know, African-Americans or Blacks, uh, you know, medically because of not being able to do it at, at the Robert General Hospital at that time. So the site where the LA Lee, um, the new facility is being built is uh, where I'm inside the building. I'm creating a, a work of art that uh, will seek to capture some of the history uh, in an abstract way, knowing that the site itself, and this is just my opinion, and others may disagree, and that's perfectly okay. Um, the building that was there before the new building being built now, the building that was just torn down uh, was on a site, and it's the site, from my perspective, I feel that is significant and that has a historical significance, not so much the building itself. So, uh, but at the same time, the the activities that took place in Providence Hospital are important uh, mm-hmm. because we know Dr. Mizell, Dr. Sistrunk, and, and other doctors were there to serve the, the, the black community. So I wrestled with <clears throat> what would I do for this, um, you know, work of art that will go in the in the in the LA Lee in the new facility, the Y, the new Y, and <clears throat> I uh, was telling a reporter this morning that one of the things that I do, or this afternoon, that I I really when I get projects, I uh, I actually take time to pray, and I uh, then I do my homework because I believe faith without works is dead, so I have to do my part. So I start doing some research and sort of introspection, uh, going to the historical society and things of that sort, and really start saying, okay, what can be done in an abstract way, uh, as not so literal, in an abstract way that somehow will tie into the uh, the, the providence. And so I start thinking in terms of the the D- DNA and the XY chromosome. And it's interesting. I don't think I could ever have been a doctor because, you know, in reading some of this stuff, it was like Greek to me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking for some suggestive forms that I could possibly use of, as inspiration. Looked at different medical uh, icons and images. Like, you know, you've seen the, the snake that's wrapped around a, that looks like a, a cross and the snake that's wrapped around the... Uh, and I think that kind of goes back to when in the Old Testament, when and Moses had the rod and, and the snake and people looked up to the snake and what have it. Anyway, um, so decided that 
I would do a combination abstract, of course, of uh, creating a stethoscope. Um, when you look at it, initially you may not recognize that it is a stethoscope because uh, it's not as literal as, as a real stethoscope. But then at the same time, when you look at the XY chromosomes in, uh, with the DNA and all of those things, you see components of that, the chromosome with the, the, the bars going across. So I've combined all those together and, um, and the narrative of course will speak to, you know, what went on there at the hospital in terms of medicine. And then uh, there will be a final determination of certain words um, that will go on the sculpture as well. The bars across the chromosome that really speak to you know, health and things of that nature as it relates to our community. So that's, um, and it's to be determined, there potentially are some bronze medallions that um, may be a part of that installation as well. Um, at the end of the day, you know, my client, the Y, uh, has the final say in terms of what the final piece would actually look like with based upon my suggestions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And I see, and just for any, because you did mention the conversation, there's more information on the project. If you go to whatsyourelephant.org slash Sankofa Arts Project, you'll also see the link that George was talking about where he goes a little bit more into um, his piece. Um, we talk about the whole project and some of the elders who uh, grew up going to the Y or Providence Hospital and, and Victory Theater and the whole project. So definitely uh, check that out. Um, so we have here, okay, we have Rod Hagwood. He said, I was the reporter, but Nikki's getting some good, great quotes. I might steal them. <laughs> oh, yes, that, that, that actually was a reporter I was talking yes. to earlier. Yes. yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think uh, we have any problem with that. Um, and so, oh, okay, I'm looking at the group. So uh, it was Gabriel, um, uh, Gabe said awesome project. And then it was uh, uh, Dr. Um, Kim Ray Mizell Hill saying hello to Nikki and George and Dr. Naomi Ruth Cobb, who's also saying hello to uh, Nikki and yes. George. Yes, <laughs> so they're watching from the, the Facebook group, The Circle. Um, and we have Carson, hello, hello, thanks for joining us. So, okay, so let's see. Um, what does the term black history mean to you and why is it important? Uh, preservation, I, I, I'll, I'll say that. Preservation, um, I, I believe that uh, we are the ones that have to tell our story. And now, and we tell our story so that others can know where we came from, I, I think it's so critical in that aspect. Um, how can I say this? If we don't tell our story the way it should be told, someone else will take the liberty to tell our story and it may not be the way it should be told. Mm -hmm. So black history in that aspect uh, is very important that we take ownership of it, uh, that we be proud of where we came from, uh, you know, folks, I came from a small town in Central Florida. Uh, today, the population is 5,999, and we have wow. two traffic lights. So we're not a very big city. And um, 
humble beginnings, and I'm very proud uh, to be from Fort Meade, Florida. Um, you know, I, I am. And despite what we all have had gone through in a small southern town, uh, nonetheless, we have a rich history. And my parents were blue collar workers, not educated at all with a college degree. But one of the things that my mom and dad said, education is your freedom. So um, telling our story to others who maybe don't know about our stories. And, and there, there are other ethnic groups that would want to hear our story. Um, I have a very close friend who is Jewish. And, you know, she particularly recently since this Black Lives Matter uh, issue was, has really been in the, in the forefront, <clears throat> she all of a sudden realized, she says, George, now I understand what it means when you tell me that when you grow up, you experience this. But when you grow up, and even today, you you put your driver's license and your your insurance information over your visor. So my point I'm making there is, as we tell our story as Black people and what we experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, we have such great um, uh, uh, stories that are stories of triumph and stories of, of, of victory and stories of success, people need to hear that story, mm-hmm. not just in our community, but in other communities as well. So, and, and there's a way to tell the story in a manner that doesn't alienate anyone, doesn't ostracize anyone. If anything, it enlightens. And I do believe that when we tell our story and those who are willing to listen, we'll find some areas of commonality, which then breaks down the barriers of, uh, of hatred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And I, I love that you said that you have a Jewish friend. I was listening, um, that's interested in that story. Um, the other day I was listening to a Zoom call um, and they were talking about the weigh-ins and the racism with the water and all this. And there was a curator, I forgot her name, um, but um, there, somewhere up north, Florida, and there was a, it was a, a Jewish Holocaust museum that um, did an exhibition for Black History Month. And I thought that was really important because a lot of times, um, you know, we learn in school about the Holocaust and the impact, but we don't learn our Holocaust in, in, in the United States. That's correct. So, and I thought it was really powerful for someone to, you know, who, you know, we're kind of okay with talking about those things and giving that space to say, let me use my platform and leverage and privilege to highlight, you know, Black people um, in this country. So. Um, well, there are some, some individuals who have seen uh, the Holocaust Museum in Miami, you know, it's it's very moving, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and our story, you know, the 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 crossing over the 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 waters and coming to this country and 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 being treated, um, you know, inhumanely, you know, there are people who know that story, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think the story should ever not be told. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think the story should also be told of those who, despite the odds after coming to this country, raised a family, 
and, mm -hmm. and well, long story short, we now have our first female black vice president of the United States. Mm -hmm. you know, that so 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 my point I'm making is the story is not just about the tragedy, right. but the story is about the triumph and the success mm -hmm. and 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 overcoming and not letting uh, setbacks stop you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We have uh, Carson saying exactly. Um, and we also have Andrew, another artist, says, late here, sorry, loving the conversation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's go, let's jump into the slides because I, you know, we're gonna pop them over to the side and you can okay. kind of walk. Do you want to like give us a little bit of um what we're gonna yes. do? The 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 work as as um as uh, Nikki mentioned, the work that I do, uh it it varies, but uh this is preserving history and I this occurred to me, I guess, about maybe three years ago. Uh, and if you can, Nikki, just go to the next slide. I've been commissioned to do quite a number of works of art in our communities uh, in South Florida. And I uh, just want to start off by saying that, you know, the definition of history, history being the records of past events and time, especially in connection with the human race, you know, the acts, ideas, and events that will or can shape the course of the future. There's also another saying, uh, a quote by a guy, Levi Strauss, that says, art is proof that anything has ever happened in the past. So mm -hmm. whenever you uh, hear of wars that take place, you know, those those companies that are uh, countries rather that are taking over other countries, they go and they attack their art because the art tells a, a good portion of that particular cultural's, cultural's history, a country's history. So I... Um, I just uh, just wanted to keep the context of what this all is all about in terms of the works that I'm about to show you. So if we may go to the next slide, please. The Buffalo Soldier. This particular sculpture I did several years ago. Um, I was, uh, and, and those of you know the story of the Buffalo Soldier, when the slaves were free, uh, they joined the, the army um, I think the, the, the wages were like $13 a month, uh, living in substandard uh, tents and, and wearing substandard uh, uh, clothing and had substandard equipment. And their job and their role basically was to fight against the uh, Native Americans in order to protect the land of the white settlers. And they got the name Buffalo Soldier because of the veracity and the manner in which they fought. Uh, they fought like the buffalo. And of course their hair was, uh, you know, had the, the texture, if you will, you know, of the hair on the buffalo as well. So the Indians or the Native Americans really called them the, the buffalo soldier. And, and I was inspired to do this sculpture. Uh, it's a limited edition that uh, because of what the buffalo soldier stood for, uh, tenacity, courage, uh, despite um, uh, substandard circumstances or substandard equipment. I mean, they fought like crazy. They had courage. They were bold, strong, uh, you know, courageous men. So courage is not the absence of fear, but the conqueror of it. And we, we know that how successful they were uh, in, in just really uh, fighting. So this is a piece that I did some time ago that um, basically captures a little segment of our history uh, in, in the in the military of, of how African Americans served in the military. 
Next slide, please. Oops. Several years ago, um, the city of Delray Beach reached out to me and uh, asked if I would create this sculpture of Mr. C. Spencer Pompey. I never had an opportunity to meet Mr. Pompey. He was well up in age and had passed away. But the thing about Mr. Pompey was he was a community activist. Uh, he was loved and, and, and revered by, you know, everyone, blacks, whites, you name it. I mean, he was just that type of a man. Uh, he was very good friends with Thurgood Marshall and um, he was instrumental in actually Thurgood Marshall coming to Palm Beach County and winning a court battle to get equal pay for black teachers. So uh, this sculpture is, is permanent in the city hall there at, you know, in Delray Beach. But this is another way in which I captured a man who made a difference in his town, in his city, and uh, by having the connections with, you know, Thurgood Marshall, uh, who was one of our Supreme Court justices and who came and fought and won the battle against uh, equal, for, for equal pay for, for, for black teachers. Mm -hmm. Next slide, please. The Tuskegee Airmen, we all know about the Tuskegee Airmen. They were the first African-American military aviators in the United States in the armed forces. Uh, this is a sculpture that I created and actually I donated it to the collection uh, at the African-American Research Library and Culture Center here uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale. The Tuskegee Airmen, they were, you know, subjected to discrimination, uh, I know, but they, they, they still soared, if you will, uh, to use the metaphor. And uh, we have, over the years have seen these men uh, being honored uh, for their their bravery and their skills, et cetera, and, and being a vital part of our military. Next slide, please. Dr. Blanche Ely, uh, Ely High School in Pompano. I think this was in 1998, I believe. Uh, the Ely Education Foundation approached me to do <clears throat> a bust of Dr. Blanche Ely. Uh, they acquired, uh, the Ely Foundation acquired Dr. Ely's home, which today is a wonderful museum that really uh, captures how she lived, etc. And Dr. Ely, back in her day, when she was getting, becoming educated, if you will, going to school, if I remember my history correctly, she attended Columbia University. And folks, that was back in the 40s. So for a black woman to 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 do what Dr. Ely did uh, and to rise to the level where she was influential as an educator, uh, that said a lot. Um, when they asked me to, to, to do this sculpture, uh, they had photographs of her and I was fortunate to have to go to her home and to really get a feel and a sense of how she lived and which is what helped me uh, and those artists who are on the on the uh, on, are listening can relate to this you can kind of pick up certain vibes if you will uh, mm -hmm. and she was such a, a lady elegant her home was like a phenomenal 
And it just really helped me to really bring out her essence and her character. But uh, this lady, she was a major educator here in Broward County and uh, she sh should continue to be remembered. Next slide, please. Well, we have uh, Carson said, amazing work, George, and all important stories behind these pieces. Absolutely. Oh, this this is Mr. Henry Belafonte. Uh, this should have gone after the Buffalo Soldier, but nonetheless, um, the uh, city of Coral Springs had a, a MLK celebration, and not long after I had created the Buffalo Soldier, Harry Belafonte uh, was the keynote speaker, and they asked me to present this to him. Uh, this is actually a photograph transferred onto a uh, canvas uh, uh, that was presented to Mr. Uh, Belafonte. Next slide, please. This uh, is called The Bridge. This is at the African-American Research Library and Culture Center in Fort Lauderdale. In 2002, when the facility was being uh, built, I was approached by uh, Gail Butler, who's one of the community leaders here. Uh, at that time, she worked for Auto Nations. And she asked me, she said, George, is there anything being done uh, as an art piece for the African-American Research Library? I said, well, yeah, I believe there is inside. She says, no, I mean outside. So, uh, I, so she said, well, I'm going to arrange to have a meeting with you, myself, uh, Sam Morrison, who at that time was the director for the Broward, all the Broward County Libraries. So we met and um, that's when the ball started. So when I spoke with Sam, uh, I said, Sam, this sculpture that I'm doing, what would you like for it to communicate? He says, well, I'd like for it to be viewed as a bridge because of the relationships that we are have, have begun to establish here in, um, in Broward County with with the uh, with with Africa, so at the same time, I I'd like for it also to be uh, a springboard, if you will, that tells the story of the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And if you notice here uh, on the right on the side of the sculptures is a semblance that I call the artistic license of what the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, looks like. Uh, if now this is this bridge, there are five bridges. There's economics, education, geography, culture, and technology. Whew, I couldn't believe I remember those from wow. back then. So each uh, of those particular bridges, if you will, are, are represented. There's a mouse, there's a, a young boy that uh, has a book and he has an A plus, that's the educational part. Uh, geography, there's a country of Africa uh, and on one side in the country of the U.S. on the other. Uh, there's also a, a ballerina shoe, a paintbrush, and a uh, treble clef note to, for culture. And of course, the Adinkra symbol, um, that is, you know, this is just sort of uh, happened. Uh, I, I, the day I was looking to, came to install it, this Adinkra symbol, uh, which means learning, wisdom, there's, there's three meanings to it, and I can't remember them all now. But uh, this particular symbol is 
uh, also on the building, which I, I, I really didn't know that that was going to happen, but it's just phenomenal. Uh, if we can go to the next slide, please, I believe it shows a, a little bit more of the history that uh, was, this is me in my studio at the time. This is a model, a maquette uh, that was about maybe seven or eight inches in height of creating the concept before actually going to actually creating the larger piece. The next slide, please. Oh, we have uh, Connie, another artist saying, thank you so much for sharing these stories. Thank you, Connie, it's my pleasure. Yes, and um, let me see, oh, and Naomi, Dr. Naomi Ruth Cobb saying phenomenal. <laughs> so, so the next slide I think is the one that, yes. So if mm -hmm. you see that this is, this is the, uh, again, how do I uh, weave black history into this? The Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, the bloody Sunday in 1965. So if you notice uh, the bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge and what it looks like, uh, and then, of course, my sculpture uh, has a semblance of that arch, if you will. So as Mr. Morrison mentioned, that the, the Edmund Pettus Bridge was the beginning, if you will, of the civil rights movement. So, too, he views the African-American Research Library uh, in the community where it is being a bridge to all those different areas that I mentioned, education, technology, business, um, uh, now I'm not going to remember them all, but early. <laughs> uh, so that's that's the connection there. Now I I'd like to also say too though that um, in the African culture, the drum is used as a means of communication. Mm -hmm. So if you see the drum, you can actually look see through the drum. So that also was part of uh, the concept and the design. And, and bringing that aspect of the African uh, history, if you will, and how the drums are used as, uh, as a means of communication. Next slide, please. These are, now, I, when we believe in something, we are driven by it. So, you know, obviously we all know Dr. Martin Luther King and, and, and Ms. Coretta Scott King and those who were marching alongside him, you know, we are where we are today because of him and uh, and it all started at the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Next slide, please. And these are other folks, Dr. Garvis, Marcus Garvey, Mary McLeod Bethune, Dr. King, of course, and, and Rosa Park. Individuals that, you know, they were trailblazers and they, they paved the, the, the way for us in so many, so many ways. Next slide, please. Family Roots. This was a sculpture that I did for the city of Pompadour, of the EPAT Larkin Community Center. What I loved about this was, you know, when I did my community outreach, and, and this is where uh, Nikki, we talked earlier about how uh, community engagement is so important mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and how art can, can being a, they're being a part of that. So when I reached out to, I think about eight different homeowners associations, I tried to get from them what type of artwork they would like to see and what they would like for it to communicate. And I, and then in so doing that, I look for a common thread that then from there, the inspiration comes 
uh, and I tell folks when I speak with them, you know, I hear what you're saying and I hear what Jane is saying or Sue or John, but I can't guarantee whatever one of you are saying is going to be a part of the art. Uh, it, it's a bit challenging, but I, I look for those common threads. And this is what resoundingly I heard people say without them really saying it. She says, we're here in, 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 uh, in Pompano and we're all in some way are related. Mm. Migrated from either the the Bahamas or from, from the Carolinas or, you know, and, she, and they said to me, we don't want our kids to forget their family roots. Bingo. That's <laughs> when, when I heard that, I went, okay, I got it. So this sculpture is bronze. It's about 11 feet in height. Uh, that includes the, the pedestal as well. But here's what we all know is that our family in our in our community, there are uh, unfortunate statistics in terms of the number of households that are broken apart and either it's a single mom or single dad and the kid ends up growing up without the, a mom or dad in the house. And some kids end up, and I do a lot of work with kids in foster care, uh, some kids end up in foster care because they just have no mom or dad that uh, would take the time to, to really be their mom or dad. So mm -hmm. um, our family, our black family is important. And, you know, I understand circumstances happen, you know, that people have to get separated or divorced. So, you know, trust me, I'm very sensitive and aware of that. But wherever we can preserve the family, even the family that is not biological, but our community as a family, uh, taking care of each other. Uh, it, it takes a village to raise a child. So um, I'm, I'm just, I, I just can't say enough about that. Mm -hmm. Next slide. I, lo I love how this piece is just like, um, it's just melting into the roots of the sculpture. It's yes. kind yes. of like evolving. And, and the base of the sculpture is actually, if you were to, to go up close, the, 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 the roots that extend uh, from the base, mm. uh, from the base of the sculpture. We have uh, Valerie saying, amazing sculpture, sculpture. And then someone in the group, it's so, it's so nice to see many of your pieces that show the important relationship to black history. You're such an important artist in South Florida. Blessings. Uh, that's from Lorna L'Esperance. Oh, yes, yes, I know Lorna. Yes. I know Lorna. It's a pleasure. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Next and up, please. Absolutely family amazing. Yes. Here, here's a, a famous, uh, my, one of my favorite quotes by Marcus Garvey. A people without the knowledge of their past, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. That's pretty deep. Mm. So all the more reason why we should tell our children and everybody we know, particularly our kids about their history, about who they are and where they came from so that they can grow roots and be strong and, 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 and dig in. I, I, well, I, I love telling this story to kids when I talk to them you know, we all are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
and there's you know there's one there's more than one Nikki in the world, okay? But there's there's a specific <laughs> Nikki that here today that is not like any other Nikki in the whole world, and because of that, she's a limited edition, and she's special. And then when we start telling our kids these types of stories about where they came from and their family roots and this and that and what have you. I mean, they can walk proud and be and, and, and be proud of who they are. And, and you heard me say earlier, folks, I am proud I'm from Fort Meade, Florida. I was raised in a wooden frame house. I know what it was like to go outside to the bathroom in an outhouse because that was my job as a kid before going to school to empty the night pots. And I am not here tonight to say I'm ashamed of it. I'm very proud of where I came from. I am who I am because of where I came from. And I wouldn't have, be able to say that today if my parents in some way made us feel ashamed of who we are, or ashamed of our past and ashamed of our culture. So uh, knowing who we are gives us stability. Knowing who we are as a people gives us roots and foundations that come the wind, wave, blow, what have you, you know, we can be strong and stand. So this is obviously you can tell this is one of my favorite quotes, right? <laughs> Mark, Harvey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next slide, please. Lift every voice. I was approached by Florida Memorial um, several years ago. I think this was in 2005, I believe it was. Um, to create a sculpture to go in their lobby. Now, when I do art that goes in public spaces, I, I really try to do some research so that the work has what I call a sense of place. Well, in my research, I determined that Florida Memorial College at that time was located in the panhandles of Florida. And in the late, I think, 1800s, James Weldon Johnson and his brother, they were writing and finishing up the song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Well, Florida Memorial Glee Club, back then, when they were finishing the song, they meaning the, uh, the John, uh, James Weldon Johnson, uh, and he and his brother, the Florida Memorial Glee Club sang the song for the very first time. Mm. So, Knowing that this was going to go in the Lou Ross Performing Arts Center, my elegant lady there in an evening gown, it, I just knew that it was very appropriate to have that figure. At the same time, they have jazz concerts there. Uh, Milton Mustafa was I know, one of the jazz musicians that at one time played there. Um, and for those who read music, and by the way, I don't, uh, but the notes on starting from the bottom of her feet going up to her shoulders or close to her shoulders, those are the, about the first five or six uh, bars, if you will, of the song Lift Every Voice and Sing. Mm -hmm. So this sculpture is in bronze and it's uh, with the base, etc. It's about nine feet tall and the sculpture alone weighs about 1,200 pounds. Wow. Wow. I'm still seeing a therapist from my back. Valerie's <laughs> <laughs> saying breathtaking. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you.
<laughs> Next slide, please. And you know, here's James Weldon Johnson and the and the score, if you will, uh, of the song that he and his brother were wrote the the, the favorite voice and sing. Mm. Uh, we have a question um, from Rod. Uh, is it me or does Lift Every Voice have a different look and texture than the other works? It has a very, a very good observation. Mm -hmm. It has a very different texture. Yes, it does. Uh, if you notice like the portraits themselves, they're much more fine tuned and much more detailed because it had to capture the essence and the spirit of that person. Wherein this uh, sculpture of Lift Every Voice was very uh, rough, if you will, um, and it just trans translated well and nicely. Um, it not as smooth, and but yet there was a there was a delicacy about her, uh, mm -hmm. of uh, in terms of her poise, uh, her pose, if you will. Uh, but very good observation, Rod. <coughs> Next slide, please. Here is um, the actual. Uh, this was actually done in plaster, uh, a new medium that normally I create the sculptures in clay, but this was done in plaster. And here's the model uh, on the left-hand side, the smaller model. Next slide, please. <laughs> here's a here's a substitute model. <laughs> but I showed this to you to show you the process. Once the sculpture is is completed. Then a mold is made, uh, several molds. Several molds are made uh, and then wax is poured inside each of the molds. Once the wax is poured inside the molds, then the wax, there you, now you have, in this case, I think there were probably 15 different molds. So you have 15 different wax pieces that now you see me down on the floor here at the left, putting those pieces back together and, um, you know, I was just messing around with me standing behind her posing there. <laughs> but these, these pieces were put back together for the purpose at the foundry of really now looking at the piece as a whole and then uh, determining which piece, how we were going to cut the pieces because they would have to be dipped <clears throat> into a vat uh, of refractory type material that was, was silica sand and a number of different things mixed together that the wax then would be uh, covered with it. And that ultimately ends up going into a oven and baked. And when that sand and all of those, the composition is baked, the wax then melts out. <clears throat> so if you've heard the phrase, the lost wax process, mm -hmm. this is, uh, you know, an example of what takes place there. And, you know, maybe at another time, I'll have a different slide to show you the, when the lost wax process takes place, the shell now is hollow on the inside. And it's a life lesson that I think is so important as it relates to how we live our lives. When the shell is baked and the wax melts out, the shell becomes very hard, like a ceramic wall, very, very hard. And the reason why it has to be that way is because the bronze or the heat is going to come. The heat 
the bronze, molten bronze is, is heated to about 2,800 degrees, poured inside the hollow shell. If the hollow shell is not ready, if the hollow shell is not cured and stable and hard and, and, and all that is necessary to withstand the heat, and we've had this happen on a couple of occasions, bronze goes everywhere and it just completely just messes up everything. So it is with life, our lives, we prepare ourselves, do what we need to do to make ourselves ready for when the heat comes because we all at some point in our lives will face some days when the heat is on and we face some disappointments and some challenges, etc. But if we have been cured and, and, and prepared, when the heat comes, we'll withstand the heat. Mm. Next slide, please. Just another view of uh, of the lady. Lift every voice. Give you a sense of scale. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> wow, it's magnificent. Next slide, please. I had more hair than two. <laughs> <laughs> this sculpture. The story behind this is interesting. Um, for those of you who are business owners, uh, one of the things that I strongly encourage is networking. I had left my studio and I the last thing I wanted to do was to go to another social event, but I did. It was during Black History Month, actually, that one of the commissioners, I think uh, Commissioner Bob, former Commissioner Barbara DeBow, uh was having an event at the uh, at the Elks, and on display were sculptures, or rather, I'm sorry, photographs of a black Fort Lauderdale. <clears throat> and while there, uh, this gentleman in the middle, Mr. Bruce Wago, he came over to me and says, George, did you know that there is a myth that black people can't swim? I said, well, yes, I do know that. And the myth is that because of our body mass that we can't swim because we sink, you know, the muscles and all that stuff. He says, well, I'd like for you to, and, and he's the president of the International Swimming Hall of Fame. And so I didn't get offended. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person that walks around with a chip on my shoulder and kind of want to fly off the handle. Uh, I, I just answered him honestly. I said, yes, I, I'm aware of that myth. So he invited me to the International Swimming Hall of Fame. Uh, and I followed up as he asked me to. Uh, for those business owners, someone says, follow up, you follow up. I followed up and uh, within a week, I had a contract to create this sculpture. Wow. And this sculpture tells the story. Uh, and he showed me when I at the museum how the history shows that Africans were divers of pearls. And, okay. and so uh, in the Sankofa birds that you see here, uh, which is an African adinkra symbol, which represents looking back in the past and using the past uh, to plan, the, if, if you will, for the future. So uh, on one side of this sculpture, it shows the mo African mother putting the child in the water to learn how to swim. And then he's growing up, becoming an adult, and he's diving for pearls. And he brings the pearl and he presents it to the, to the, uh, to the Sankofa bird. On the opposite side, this is the view side that we view here, you'll see the Olympic rings that are there in sort of the center of the sculpture. 
Well, just below that is a is a uh, is a swimmer that has the butterfly pose, um, and that represents Anthony Nesty, who was the first person of African descent to win an Olympic gold medal in swimming. Mm. So black people can swim. I, I've been learning to swim with a uh, diversity in aquatics and let us swim. And, you know, that, you know, Thaddeus, the coach often talks about that, how, you know, this belief that we don't swim, but we were so connected with water. We were the divers and all those things. So uh, we have another question. Yes. Um, Rod is asking, what's the name of this, uh, the sculpture called the one in the swimming hall of fame? This one actually is uh, the Sankofa award. Uh, and they they present it to you know various uh, swimmers in competition. So it's it's the Sankofa Award. Nice. We have uh, Shani saying a beautiful sculpture. Thank you. Yes. Sankofa is on Sistrunk, um, in in a number of different ways. If this is an aerial view, uh, but there's a plaza. Uh, there uh, on Sistrunk, I think near 9th and 10th Avenue, that uh, this is a design that I did. And I uh, had, of course, a, a, a fabricator, a, a general contractor uh, to actually place a design in this plaza. But this, this if you look at an aerial view, uh, you'll actually see uh, the, the head. If you look, the, the, the photograph on the, on the right of the slide you see the head of the uh, the bird, and then the round black spot there is actually um, the uh, the egg, uh, and then to the left here, then you see the egg, the the legs of the of the uh, the bird, and then the planter actually um, the uh, the planter is sort of the the body of of the bird. And I, I want to give a shout out to Scott Strawbridge if he's still here. Uh, this is one of his properties that he uh, developed, and uh, he was very much a part of this whole transformation, if you will, uh, you know, taking place uh, with what he did with this uh, wonderful uh, living space for seniors. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because when I told him you're going to be on, he's like, oh, you know, he did the, the Sankofa bird. <laughs> yeah, Scott was instrumental in, in making that happen. Yep, mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Next slide, please. And there's the Sankofa bird. Now, there's a group of uh, individuals, there's a, there's a group called the Trailblazers of, of Broward County, uh, a very active group. Uh, and they had approached me, ooh, can't remember now, maybe, oh yeah, 2016. I, I remember because that's the year my mom passed away. 2016, um, but actually prior to that, it was six years before that, that there was discussion about doing some kind of a monument uh, to celebrate the, the history in Black Fort Lauderdale. Now we all know that the history is so vast that, um, it's, it would be difficult to capture a hundred years of history on one sculpture. So what was done here on the plaque, we identified various pillars in the community uh, that were really stable pillars for the growth of the black community, uh, places of worship, 
um, education, uh, uh, business, and I can't remember a few others, but there were a couple that, there was one person's name mentioned here who was, um, I think Mrs. Hewlett, Hewlett who was a, uh, an educator. Um, so this, this plaque gives uh, homage, if you will, to uh, the history and those pioneers and trailblazers uh, here in, uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale. The thing as well as using the Sankofa bird is using the past of what we know and we're able to communicate about the history of Black Fort Lauderdale, looking back in the past and hopefully our young people and those that come after us can look and see this and then look forward to the future and know that their future can be and is bright. Uh, so that's the concept behind this uh, particular monument. Mm -hmm. Oh, we have uh, Scott. He said, proud of our work together, George. <laughs> yes, it was great working with you, Scott, definitely. <laughs> Uh, we also have Valerie. Have to, oh, finish watching recording. Thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. So inspiring. Much love to you and Nikki. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, um, you know, um, if you're tuning in, you got to go. This is going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Facebook. And later in the week, it will be on your favorite podcast. Um, Scott is saying, proud of my Trailblazer Award that George made. Oh, Oh yeah, that's right. You do have, you do. Yeah, the Trailblazers uh, honored Scott for his, you know, his community work, and he received a miniature version of the trouble of the of the Sankofa bird. Nice, nice. This is Dr. Kathleen Wright, uh, the Broward County School Board building downtown. Uh, the links, uh, uh, women. Of Broward County. They are such an awesome group. Uh, they actually did fundraising in, in collaboration with the, I think, the Broward Education Foundation. And they commissioned me to create the sculpture of Dr. Blanche Ely. Dr. Ely was the first um, Black to be elected to the school board, female. Um, I believe she was a Delta. And those of you who are listening, if I get my history wrong, please, you know, feel free to correct me. Uh, and unfortunately, she was actually on a plane uh, traveling out to, uh, to on a business. Uh, I think she was going to a conference and uh, the plane uh, unfortunately uh, crashed and mm. all the survivors, uh, you know, were killed. But this is a uh, this was done in 2016 as well. Uh, give you a sense of scale. At the foundry here, the, the left-hand photograph shows me standing at her, you know, we're standing and here she's probably about nine feet in height or, or, or more. Wow. So she's on a pedestal that's about five feet in height. So Dr. Ely, I mean, Dr. Wright rather, is, uh, is about 14, 15 feet in height. Wow. So the, the, the links of Broward County, they were, uh, I, I credit them for this, and, and again, I'm thankful for them reaching out to me to do this this piece. But this is a, another way of capturing history. You know, the first uh, black woman to be elected to the, the uh, Broward County School Board. Mm 
Absolutely. Your future is what you make it. We all have a future. It's what we make it. Our future is, and, and I heard something recently, our future is not out there. Our future is inside of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. we just have to grab it and 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 make it happen. Next, next slide, please. Whatever your life's work is, do it well. A man should do his job so well that the living, the dead, and the unborn could do it no better. Mm. Dr. Martin Luther King. I like that. I haven't heard of that one. Wow. Next slide, please. And this is yours truly. <laughs> when he was about four years old, oh. I did this, did this sculpture from a photograph. Um, and this piece is called Little Preacher Boy. Oh, I didn't know that was you. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. There we go here. So that, that completes my presentation. Thank you, Nikki. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That was just amazing. That's amazing. Um, I love it. We have, um, let me just queue up. There's a couple more things. So we do have some questions. I, I love the work and I love the fact of like you, your work, you know, covers people that we're familiar with historically as well as just locally. I don't think I've ever been in a space where I've, you know, learned so much about the local history and, you know, local legacies. And I think that's a really um, a beautiful thing about being in this area, being so close to Sistrung, you know, and seeing all the art. And you've done so much work around South Florida. <laughs> so well, I'm, 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 uh, I'm honored and, and I'm, I'm pleased that I'm able to do it. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just in my DNA. <laughs> and uh, uh, where and when I can, you know, I, I really like doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We did have a question from Gabe. It's a little, there's a little bit from the slides. He says, um, in your opinion, how can we use art to heal or art as a, a tool to heal social justice? Very good uh, question. I think it's a combination, David. If I if I may, uh, art could be a vehicle to allow you to tell the story, and and I and I'll share this with you. I'll be very transparent, and the, and the, and and I haven't done it yet, but you know it's it's incubating, and it relates to this. And knowing that there's a polarization that is in our country. And knowing that you know uh, there's some some friction, I'm saying you know I, I really want to create art and, and that uh, causes people, both black and white, yellow, green, whatever, to really look inside and 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 and, and examine themselves, and and art that will not cause a black person to hate the whites or whites a black, but an art piece that would say, okay, wait, hold on. I'm feeling this and 
this person is feeling the same thing and we're, we're of two different races. Mm -hmm. So now let's communicate. If, if even taking, um, I, I believe in experiential learning uh, where, you know, say for example, you get a group of, of adults in a room. Uh, in this case, we're talking about adults and we, you do this game, if you will, where you actually exclude one of them and do not allow him or her into the ring. Okay. And then you find out from him or her, how does she feel when she was not allowed to come in? So if, if, if that could be a, an activity coupled with art, with creating art so that, you know, people get their emotions out because at the end of the day, David, and I'm just being straight up here, you know, it's a person's heart is what really determines how they can respond to mm -hmm. the ills that life throws them. Um, but art can be a vehicle mm -hmm. that can help you and us begin to touch on something inside that was hidden. And in and, and, and my work, there's work that I, I have to create. It's not there yet. Quite frankly, I'm being very transparent here. I'm almost afraid to try and do it because of what's in here. Okay, and, and I don't know if the other artists you're out there, if you've ever felt that way or not, but there's so much inside of us that has to come mm -hmm. out, but it can be very cathartic. It can be very therapeutic and uh, to, to just get it out. Mm -hmm. I just want to backtrack for just a second. The movie Roots, I have not seen that movie yet. Mm. When I was in college, uh, and, and folks, I, I, I was in North Carolina, Duke University. And when I was there, the KKK was active. I'll never forget, they were promoting on the radio. They were going to have a Klan's March, et cetera. And I picked up the photos and said, is this for real? When that movie came out, I was in, in college. And I specifically remember, I actually cried, quite frankly, uh, because I was torn with my, you know, my, 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 my faith here, I can't watch this movie because I, I'm supposed to love. And how can I love when I watch a movie, if I watch a movie that shows how we have been treated? Mm -hmm. So, but I'm at a point in my life now, I've matured that I definitely could watch the movie and, mm -hmm. and can, can get, but, but I share that to say this, that it's all about the heart. Mm -hmm. and decluttering the heart mm -hmm. and being willing to open your heart to the other person's heart and see what they have in common. And if art can be the vehicle to explore mm -hmm. together as a, as an individual project or a group project, that could be one solution. But I, I, I do believe there's this phrase I'd like to say uh, if you probably didn't notice, I like quotes. Um, mm -hmm. um, you cannot legislate behavior. Meaning you can pass laws and everything else, but at the end of the day, those laws don't legislate the behavior. Mm -hmm. It's the internal change that has to take place that will modify the behavior. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm, I'm. I hope you do at some point go and. I'm curious to see what you would do. Um, I know personally some of my work. You know, I, I'm di diving deep inside from some of the things that I've gone through, and when I share that, um, it, it it's it, it is cathartic. But it's also empowering for other people. It's also connecting for other people who might feel um, they've gone through something they could understand, they could relate. Oh, I always, you know, there's something that I now can understand you better. So I think um, in those ways, and I still don't feel like, you know, you said, like, you know, when, when I was just telling um, another artist I was talking to the other day, Kaula. And, you know, feeling like even though I've done a lot and you've done way more, I feel personally that I haven't really scratched the surface of what I am here to express. I can't and even that, imagine, what, you know, but. And I, and I think that's probably what most of us as artists feel. Mm -hmm. uh, that we, we that you know, I, I don't feel that I, 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 I will just be gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I. So I think that's what the way most of us feel. Um, the day that we feel that we have arrived, then mm. that's the day that we f we will no longer be effective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if we're always, as you said, feeling that there's more, there's more, there's more, then we don't settle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't settle. We 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 just go for it. Mm. Go. My this is it. When I'm a hundred years old, I'll be in my studio <laughs> on top of a ladder. Okay. The pine box right next to the, the ladder. And then I kill over and <laughs> nail it up and ship me out. That's it. Oh my that's god. That's how I'm going. <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm going. Yeah, well, hopefully a lot sooner. And then also, you know, um, it's easier to say something with art when people have you know gone through something or faced a challenge you know um whether it's personal or on the outside you know you know in society um you may not be able to be comfortable talking about it or questioning but when we That's put correct. it to art when we put it to a song when we put it to a paper then it feels less intimidating so That's i think correct. art is also powerful in that way um, when I do like the, the what's your elephant workshops and people are, you know, sharing things, they're creating something. They're not really, you know, they've like, they're able to be vulnerable a little bit more and yeah. with the vulnerability that we could understand. And we could say, okay, this is, I see what the problem is. What are some suggestions with solution and that dialogue? So I think the art the, dialogue is just like. The, the other thing, and you said it dialogue, I think sometimes we fail to, tell our story and we fail to tell our story sometimes because we're afraid of what people may think about our story but when we share our story little do we know that there's a component of our story that someone else can relate to mm -hmm. and then they can say wow wow she went through this or he went through this i thought i was by myself so we're not alone when mm -hmm. others share their story, however it's done, either through art or, or through the spoken word or whatever, the fact that the you're telling your story, it's going to benefit somebody mm -hmm. and cause that person to hopefully look at themselves differently and not feel that they are alone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. 
How do you balance your work and your own mental health and well-being? Good one. <laughs> well, I get up in the morning, I walk, I exercise, I, I take about 45 minutes an hour, I, I read the word, I read the Bible and I pray and and then I walk and I, I meditate on what I read and um, I try to eat healthy. I, I don't eat a lot of junk food. Now I will admit I had a, a, a frosty today, you know, but, um, and at the same time, you know, I, I have to tell myself that, you know, I, I'm good at time management and, and, and managing my time, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to overstress myself. Um, so sometimes I, I have to know when to say no. Mm. Okay. Nope. And, and it's, it's hard. I know it's hard, but because everybody will drain you and pull on you and you, and, and we, you have a heart, Nikki, I know that to help and to, to do, and we, we all in some way do. And, but sometimes if, if you're not, good for yourself you can't be good for anybody else so knowing when to say no at the same time knowing how much to put on your plate um and my wife says this she says just imagine life has a series of books on a bookshelf and it just happened to be a bookshelf behind me here but a series of books knowing when to take that book down and read it or knowing when not to take that book down and you're going to address the issue at another time and you leave it on the shelf. So we mm. have to choose our battles. We have to know when to, to choose our, when to fight, if you will, or, or when to sit back and, you know what? I'm not going to let that bother me. Uh, so that's how I try to, to do it, uh, you know, to leave a, leave a balanced life. And, you know, am I perfect? No. Uh, <laughs> I, that's 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 kind of how I roll. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and you know I know um, you have an event. You have something coming up on the twenty seventh. Can you give us? I did put the the link in the comments, but can you give us like a little teaser of what that is on the twenty yes, seventh? The twenty seventh. Uh, I live in Tamarack, and the you know uh, the city of Tamarack approached me uh, for a fundraiser for for uh, you know, the. Um, for United Way. And uh, so knowing that oftentimes when we talk about black history, we sometimes don't talk about that other, this aspect of history. And that is how the, in the African slaves, when they did quilting, the quilts had designs and patterns on them that were codes for the slaves to read or to know how to navigate to freedom through the Underground Railroad. Mm. So, you know, I'll share a, a brief uh, video about that. Faith Ringo, who's an African-American artist, well known for her quilting and how she tells stories through quilts. She was born and raised in New York and she wrote children's books uh, and, and she did quilts. Uh, you know, painted on quilts, the stories of family reunions, etc. So, this pro and the and the and the black women in Alabama, who were all descendants of slaves, they carried that tradition of quilting. The G G's Bend uh, ladies in Alabama, 
um, how they are doing their quilts today that now are uh, the quilts are in the Smithsonian and what have you. So I'm gonna walk participants through that process of creating a paper quilt, uh, very low budget. Um, and there's a $10, I think it's 10 or $5 uh, fee to register. It's a fundraiser uh, for United Way. And uh, just talk about that. So that's what's happening this Saturday um, uh, online. And as Nikki said, there's Eventbrite, you would need to register and the city of Tamarack will then send you <coughs> a link to participate. Awesome. Thank you. And I did put that in. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, it's in the comment section along with some uh, links to get in touch with George. So definitely check that out. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go and why? The past or the future? Oh, I would go to the future. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'd go to the future. Yeah. Um, because I know, I know about the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know about the past, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I, I'm fortunate to say though, I, I, I don't think on the ugly stuff much. I, I always focus on the good. And so I believe that my future is bright. So therefore I want to go to the future. Mm. You know, my future's in here, so I want to I want to bring that future out of me here and get there. Um, yeah. So now, nice. if I in the time war, future. Nice, nice, good answer. That's a nice perspective. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, George Gatson, um, you could uh, Google me. Uh, my email address is georgegatson at gmail .com. Um, and my website, georgegatsonstudios.com. So uh, I warn you though, <clears throat> excuse me, if you Google George Gatson, there is a George Gatson in South Carolina who was arrested for violating his probation as a sex <laughs> offender. That is not me. <laughs> so just George Gatson, you see artists, etc. that's mm -hmm. me. Uh, okay. But yeah, please reach out to me, uh, Facebook, uh, and then Instagram uh, at George Gatson, and uh, that's how you can reach me. Awesome. And my phone number, 954-822-5425. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. George, it's been, I, I will, <laughs> a half an hour show. I don't even want to look at the time, but. <laughs> what time is it? it oh. We're like nine, almost 10 o'clock. Oh, my. Are yeah. you serious? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh well, but, uh, Nikki, but, uh, Thank you. Yes, absolutely. You. you you're doing an awesome job with what you're doing, and oh, and, and you. keep it up. You're just great, and I, and so when you asked me, I, I I I I knew that I had to because, you know, I believe in what you're doing, and and you're one of those artists that's out there doing it in the community, and um, so yeah, don't stop. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate just you being you, uh, you being someone that I look up to. You've been, a, you know, someone that over the years, every now and then I'm like, I got a question. Can you help me? And just been so open to it. Um, so I do thank you for um, 
your guidance at any time I've ever had to come to you for anything. And just, you know, the, the breadth of work that you've done in uh, South Florida and throughout is just something definitely that I, um, I look forward to and I aspire to, and I just, you know, I'm just grateful to know you as a person. And so grateful for that as well. I feel, I feel the same about you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can tell you, the, the different platforms and all this that you're doing, I'm thinking, whoa, that's not my lane. I'm a little crazy. That's, that's, my, that's not my lane. You do well. You do it very well. You do it very well. Yeah. Uh, we have Rod. He said, you're good, Miss Lopez. I planned on bailing a long time ago. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. Um, I just thought, you know, um, you know, as long as people are there, the show is half an hour. Sometimes it does go over. This is probably definitely the longest show. Oh, but okay. I feel, you know, like I wanted to give that time and space, you know. Um, I don't follow all of the holiday things, but, you know, I like to, you know, do things with intentions whenever possible. So February, you know, all the people that was on the circle were Black people share different black people, organizations and, you know, um, artists and stuff like that. So I thought that, oh my God, to have George, you know, complete that, even though we know black history is 365. That's right. You know, I think it was just a really, uh, you know, it was an honor to have you on and to close out the month and the circle in a very powerful and meaningful way. So Thank you, um, George, again. And thank you also for everyone who's um, been on. I see uh, this is great. It's from, this, uh, it's from the group, so I can't see your name. I do apologize, uh, but thank you for being here with us. Um, Facebook, I've known you for many years, but I feel that this in this presentation, I know who you are. Great job. Thank you. So I'm trying to see if I could figure out who wrote that comment. Because that would be interesting um, to see, since we're already over time anyway. <laughs> um, oh, that's Lorna. <laughs> oh, Lorna, yes, yes. One of the things yes. I remember about Lorna is she was a great dancer. I think she did a lot of African dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I remember you, Lorna. Yep. Yes, and that was Gabe Ochoa from the YMCA saying, uh, great job, thank you both, absolutely. Um, uh, but you guys kept me engaged, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, um, I'm really honored to be working, you know, alongside George with the LA Lee YMCA. Um, you know, again, the, the project is uh, the Sankofa project, you know, for the meeting at Sankofa and also for the many Sankofas, a lot of them, I think, if, if not all of them, George has done in the in the Cistrunk area. So um, if you're wanting to, there was a great conversation that happened a couple of weeks ago um, where George, Derek Davis, uh, a few other elders from the community was on there. I definitely advise, you know, you know, invite you to look it up. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to have a virtual oral history of Cistrunk. So if you go to the website, um, you'll see a link where you could, um, you know, it'll be on Facebook Live under Nikki Lopez Creative, um, uh, but it will be a Zoom call. So if you were born and raised in Cistrunk, you want to share a photo, a memorabilia, a story, I invite you to join the Zoom. Now, if you want to be 
recorded, you need to be on the Zoom. But everybody else is welcome to log into the Facebook and you know just be uh, just to hear that and you know giving more space to get more story and more history out there. Um, so I invite you all to check this out. So again, that's on whatsyourelephant.org backslash Sankofa Arts Project. And so this project, this the circle is here, is brought to you by Nikki Lopez Creative and What's Your Elephant. Uh, What's Your Elephant is a movement that uses the arts to create a safe space to talk about anything unspoken. So if you want more information about the project, you can go to whatsyourelephant.org. You could also go to Linktree uh, slash Nikki Lopez 19. Um, and I've been doing it every Tuesday for the past three years. Um, but th this coming March, I'm going to explore doing every other week because, you know, we got a lot of work on our plates and um, just, you know, giving a little space and a little breather so in between the weeks. I'll be um you know, replaying some of the older ones. You could always go to the podcast and see that. But again, this will be, um, it's gonna go to the first and third Tuesday of the month, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, George, do you have any uh, final words, closing thoughts? Well, I, I would just like to say thank you again, Nikki, for this opportunity. It's an honor. And uh, for those of you out there listening, you know, just know that it's never too late pursue what's inside of you. Mm. You have gifts and talents that the world needs to know and mm. just go for it. Don't stop. Thank you again, Nikki. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone who's tuning in from Facebook, from Periscope, from YouTube, um, and as well as those people who's going to watch it on the replay and on the podcast. Please consider sharing this. There's a lot of information, a lot of inspiration into this particular uh, episode of The Circle with George Gatson. Um, and, you know, someone wants to get inspired and you could be that change in that person's life just by sharing the video. It's a click, very free. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, you know, those are, you know, I always have this every now and then remind people free ways to support you know what we do, you can purchase art, you could come to an event, you could share a video, you could share a press release or anything, a piece of content that's also helpful. So again, everyone, thank you so much for, you know, being here. I know this is a very long episode, but I thought, you know, this is the only way to give George justice, <laughs> you know, so um, yes. So I will see you all next week. Thank you, good night. Thank you, good night. Thank you.